All right, we're doing our second ever in the field episode of a Vietnam podcast. If you heard before, we did one in Da Nang after our show at the workshop. Right now, we're sitting outside Two Guys Belgian Fries in Tan Mi Loi. We've had a community uh, meetup today. We've been drinking lots of party at a washed out pool party at a new apartment where it was Saigon rainy season and we basically hung out in the rain for a while. You would never do that in another country, right? Let's hang out by the pool in the rain. But uh, that's what we did today. Now we're continuing the party. A big thank you to Chad Mitchell and Mixtape Drinks for sponsoring tonight. If you want to join the community, you get invited to special events like this. You get episodes before anyone else. Um, If you join now, you'll get six free cans of Mixtape Party as well, which we can all agree is delicious. So what we're going to do, we're going to go around quickly and everyone's going to introduce themselves. Then we're going to go through the questions that everyone gets asked at the end of each episode. So we'll start with the CEO, the boss, the president, the chairman of 7 Million Bikes, Miss Adri Lopez-Mackay. I already forgot what I'm doing. Hi, I'm Adri. I'm Neil's wife. You know more than you should if you listen to this podcast about me. Hi, I'm Kerry. Uh, you don't know me, but I'm a longtime Saigon resident and big fan of the podcast and 7 Million Bytes comedy shows. My name's Dan. I'm from the Wilderness in District 7. I met Neil during the great lockdown of 2021, loved his online quizzes, and now it's finally got to meet him in person. Hi, I'm Fiona. So same as Dan, um, we joined online uh, during lockdown and... The best memory is probably when we had to go and find things the fastest and we had cat toothpaste right next to us and everyone wondered why uh, we actually had a a tube of toothpaste on the top. Hello, I'm Adam from the Taudien Massive. Uh, The first time was again during lockdown and we were saved by uh, Neil and his podcast and his quiz nights and it was very good fun uh, and very entertaining and kept us uh, amused for quite a long time. Awesome. And shout out to Pippa, who's not here. She's got the lurgy, which if you're from the UK, we know what the lurgy is, which is most of us. Adri's shaking her head. The lurgy is like a, yeah, no, no, it's had another beer tower come out. Thank you very much, young man. Uh, so we're going to fill up our beer. Now, before we go into the questions, um, what uh, you didn't say what's your most memorable, Fiona and Adam said, what's your most memorable moment or what's your most memorable episode of a vietnam podcast let's test how much you listen to the podcast so what do you like the most about a vietnam podcast or did that really happen we have two podcasts um so carry again um my favorite episode was definitely the one with aj miller um with her talking about her dad and her connection to vietnam and coming back and re-exploring that um she's a fantastic comedian some great songs great storytelling abilities and a big bull of energy so to hear her really drop her guard um, and go into a lot of detail about some quite emotional topics was testament to her and to, to Neil's amazing podcasting. I've got two podcasts. This is Dan again, District 7 Wilderness. I've got uh, two favorite podcasts. The first one was many moons ago when you interviewed uh, Fuckmap from YouTube, just because I'd watched him before I heard of your podcast. I thought it was quite interesting. Like, wow, Neil's got a celebrity on the channel. <laughs> and the other one was with one of the other members, uh, Zion. Uh, that was quite personable, and I really enjoyed listening to what he had to say about his uh, previous life before Vietnam, how he settled in. I thought it was quite touching, actually. Um, Fiona again. Um, not podcast, but I can't remember when we all joined online and we went into that, like, metaverse. Is it mine? Ah, sorry, Adam. Uh, what was it called? Nocturnal Animals. 
Nocturnal animals, yeah. So we all went in and you could like go and sit in a pub and, you know, like all virtual. It's just, it was a bit weird, but really interesting. Yeah, hello, it's Adam again. Uh, so again, similar to what Fiona said, but I guess the quiz nights were always good fun. Uh, and then obviously the comedy nights live were always fun. Uh, but yeah, again, the virtual world of us all running around in a virtual world, talking to each other, sitting at the bar, playing on the fruit machine. I think I even played pool at one point. Uh, then I was live on stage with no one in the audience. So yeah, it's it an interesting experience. And then last one, Adri's been pouring the beers. Give a big round of applause to Adri for pouring everyone the beers. Woo! What's your most memorable episode of a Vietnam podcast? All oh, did that really? Uh, I listen to every single one, apart from maybe one, the most recent one. They're all memorable for me. I would say that's a copper, but she does listen to every single one. So we can't, we can't, can't fault her on that. Now, cheers, everyone. Cheers, guys. Cheers. 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 Oh, sorry. Oh. Sorry, AJ. So now we're going to go through the questions I ask everyone at the end of a Vietnam podcast. Now, the first question is, what reason would you give to persuade someone to come to Vietnam? Carrie? Um, easy. The trifecta of reasons. Food, culture, people. Cannot be beaten anywhere else. All right, Dan here. I'll probably say the cheap cost of living and the attractive women. Um, so I'm a bit of a lizard, so I'm going to go for I can wear my flip-flops and shorts and a vest all year round. Uh, I'll just say the same as everyone just said, and they have McDonald's. I'll go with the freedom. If you want to drive a motorbike and just be free on your motorbike, it's really awesome. Now, can I just add that Dan said that under coercion there? Because he's with his uh, partner, who's Vietnamese, Dan, who didn't answer that question. And Dan and Dan have been the subject of one of my recent jokes. Did you tell Dan my joke? I don't want to repeat it in person. It's a joke for the stage, but it... Well, I'll just say it anyway. Must be really fucking awkward calling out your own name in bed. So, Dan, female Dan, tell us, what is a reason that you would use to persuade someone to come to Vietnam? God. I would say... Everything here is quite cheap. Like, if you want to get anything, any sort of food you like. Uh, for example, my favorite food is sushi. And I don't feel like in Asia, there's anywhere you can get cheaper sushi than here. It's amazing. Uh, people are really friendly. Basically got everything you need here. Yeah. This is that good a reason. Yeah, you do have everything. I was just saying to someone today, when we first came here six years ago, Adri's sister lived here and we asked her, what, what should we have? What should we eat before we get here? And she said, wine and cheese. Have as much wine and cheese as you can before you get here because you won't, you won't get any once you come here. Or, or, yeah, or it's going to be so expensive. And that was six years ago. Now you can buy, like, nice cheese in Winmar. You can get wine everywhere. Like, it's uh, changed dramatically. All right, so that was uh, Persuade Somebody to Come to Vienna. Now, Dan, you don't need to introduce yourself every time. There's only, there's only one Scouser here. Nobody's listening going, who's that guy? It's Dan from D7 when you hear the Scouser, all right. Now, um, so we're going to go through, through. What reason would you give to someone for, to not to come to Vietnam? Oh, sorry, I wasn't listening. <laughs> so I thought you were talking to Dan. No, I was just telling him when it comes to him. <laughs> can, can, uh, can I hear that question again, please? What reason would you persuade someone not to come to Vietnam? Um, all right. Uh, yeah, a uh, lot of snakes around. <laughs> don't like snakes, probably not a good idea to come. Um, if you're not a fan of adventure, if you're the kind of person that kind of enjoys feeling uncomfortable and getting through that emotion of uncomfortableness, then Vietnam's for you. But if you... If you, yeah, if you don't like being com 
uncomfortable, then probably best to avoid. That's a good point though, because some people don't like that. Yeah. Some people don't want don't want to break their comfort zone. In Vietnam, you have to you yeah. have to break your comfort zone massively. And definitely, if you and if, if you're the kind of person that gets a kick out of then kind of gaining comfort from a situation you found originally uncomfortable, yeah. then that's what Vietnam is great for, I think. This is a tough one, actually, because I love Vietnam. This is Dan. Um, this is Dan from D7. I would say, if you like tranquility, do not move to one of the major Vietnamese cities because noise pollution is a major issue. So karaoke, motorbikes, honking of horns. If you like peace and quiet, maybe the countryside could be for you, but... Do not move to one of the major cities because you will not get a restful sleep. So this is 100% true. I don't, we just, we didn't tell you guys this. We just had a, a pool party at our apartment, new apartment. And we didn't tell you guys. So two weeks after we moved in, they started doing construction above us. And when I say construction, I mean pneumatic drill. It's on the 19th floor in a brand new apartment. Pneumatic drill, hammering, half eight in the morning, eight o'clock in the morning, all day to five o'clock. So we've been having an ongoing the thank goodness you know like vietnam has a reputation for dodgy landlords right and you always see this i don't know about you guys every single landlord we've had has been um, unbelievable i feel like it's just one of these stereotypes that people love to go on facebook and be like oh my landlord's so shit and then people read it and they're like oh all landlords are shit everyone we've had has been amazing and this one included so the agent was super supportive she understood because i was so frustrated because you know i work from home a lot of time making podcasts and then i have drilling and hammering above me so um, after going back and forth with them, they actually have given us a whole month's rent free, which is a massive deal. Like, and part of that was because I said, I think you guys should buy us noise cancelling headphones. And they were like, okay, we'll give you a month's rent free. Go and buy them yourself. So I went yesterday and bought like noise cancelling headphones. So it's, but it's, yeah, and we have the Google Home. So yeah, but the noise thing here in Vietnam is so true. In the major cities, like we've lived in every district and it's, it's true. you when I went back to Glasgow, it was weird when I was like, oh my God, it's so quiet. Silence, yeah, you're like weird. Silence. When I was back in Nottingham, sorry to jump in. When I was back in Nottingham, I was, um, I live in the attic in my parents' house. That's my room. And I got this, uh, <laughs> like, Dobby, right? That's a, that's, that's a converted attic. It's very, uh, very postmodern. Very postmodern. <laughs> and I got, anyway, got a beautiful skylight, live in the suburbs of Nottingham. And I was on my phone to my friend. It's about half nine at night. And I'm there just like, I'm literally just cleaning the dirt off the skylight. Just having a bit of a chat. Not doing particularly loud. And the house opposite, about 100 meters away, the woman runs out, lights blaring. And she starts with her arms madly waving around. And she's like doing really over-the-top exaggerations, telling me to be quiet. I'm like, I'm just talking on my phone at nine o'clock, maybe 9.15. And she was losing her mind. And again... I know you talk about sometimes about reverse culture shock, but that to me was like, if I was in Vietnam right now, I wouldn't even be able to hear my friend on the phone, let alone have my neighbor from 100 meters away actually telling me to be quiet. Actually, speaking of reverse culture shock, I was back in the UK two weeks ago. And uh, if you come to Vietnam, you'll realize crossing the road can be a nightmare. You literally have to put your life in the hands of a thousand motorbikes as you cross the road. When I was back in the UK, I was just instinctively just walking out into the road like just walking out, I put my hands up. Like there was cars. I, I was like, my friends were like, "What are you doing?" But I just, I just wasn't watching crossing roads. I was, I was, I was living life in Vietnam, and it w- wasn't very safe. 
You can take the boy out of Vietnam. Who is it for Sweden not to come to? Probably for me, the pollution. If you don't like pollution, that's probably one of the biggest things. Um, but you do get used to it after a while. Um, and the other thing, and it's probably not just Vietnam now, it's probably most of the world and the youngster crowd, but selfies. If you don't like people taking selfies, but it's not just one selfie, it's like a hundred photos and posing in front of things and like touching things and standing there for four hours and getting your mate to do it. That's, it just bugs me. Hang on, I'll do, I'll do mine. I've, I've got two. So as a, as a non-coffee drinker, there are far too many coffee shops in this city. <laughs> You can't walk 10 yards without bumping into a coffee shop. So that's probably one of my main hates. And if, and if you don't like karaoke, do not move here. He said my point about the karaoke, but like Dan just said here, there are too many attractive girls here. So if you got a wife, be careful before you move here. <laughs> a good one. I was really struggling to think of something to say that hasn't been said before, having heard all of the previous episodes. I think maybe this one is it. As someone who gets attacked by mosquitoes, they love my blood. If you don't like mosquitoes, don't come. At least to southern Vietnam. I don't know about northern Vietnam. Probably during part of the year. But they are bad. So you have to spray yourself with chemicals that you don't get eaten. So if you don't like chemicals or mosquitoes or both, you have to put up with it if you come here. Now, can I add that? That's a very personal one because so... For for my best bug spray that I use is just stand next to Adri, and they attack her, and then they just never go near me. So that that's a very that's a very specific one to you. If you you, what happens with Annie? Oh, exactly the same. Yeah, it's um, we're lying in bed, and she wakes up with twenty five mosquito bites, and I'm fresh as a daisy. Yeah, she's there. Yeah, yeah they it's like great. the exotic blood. Yeah, maybe it's something about the uh. The bland English food I eat. Yeah, they don't like they don't like us they don't like us white boys. Basically, that's what it is. All right, we're going to move on. Uh, what is a common scam in Vietnam? And I got to give a shout out to one of our actually community members who's not here, Alistair Chapman. Uh, I love hearing from Alistair. I mean, him email quite often. He gives he tells me when he's listening to an episode, and he gives me a lot of ideas. He actually. Um, did you guys listen to the episode with Suzanne T. Hien Hook, who was the black Vietnamese woman who had been abandoned and really tragic story, came back to Vietnam. If you haven't listened to it, go back. He introduced me to her and she's one of the most um, amazing episodes I've ever done. So thank you, Alistair. So this was his question. This was his suggestion. What is a common scam in Vietnam? And when I was asking this in, of the guests in season nine, there was a couple in there that I didn't know before. So I'm interested to hear if anyone's got anything different. A common scam, carry, go. It's not it's not not a funny answer, but uh volunteerism in this part of the world can be quite quite scammyful, I guess, would be the, the word to describe it. Um, particularly when the tourists come back, there's a lot of orphanages who maybe don't act in the best interest of the children, um, in terms of their life choices and development. And they kind of take take advantage of the the good nature of tourists who want to come and try and make a difference. Um, so yeah, best to best to try and avoid that. If you want to help these people, look up registered charities, donate money straight to them, and contact them about how you can help. And really, only help on long term projects because short term projects really are harmful to children's development. Yeah, so as someone who's worked in the charity sector for most of my career, it's just one of my biggest bugbears when I see people, expats or tourists, post like, what orphanage can I visit? I want to go and visit an orphanage. And it's like, it's not a fucking theme park. 
I know they do mean well, I know, and that's the hard thing, right? They mean well. Yeah, they do take a selfie. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> and it is hard, yeah, they do mean well, but you have to think a bit about, like, you going into an orphanage. But I've actually seen other people post who do work in the orphanages support it and be like, you know, it makes a difference coming in for one day and bringing stuff is better than not doing it. And so it's kind of hard because there is a, a benefit to it. But I think long term, it's definitely not yeah. a good idea. Yeah. So I don't know if it's a scam, but maybe a scam. Anyway. Yeah. Tom, it's- uh, this is a scam that I actually know people that's happened to is basically fake motorbike taxi scams, but also fake taxi car scams as well, where basically in the Boivian area, you see fake Vinisons. They're called Vantai taxis. And I had a friend who's got into one and a fair show cost 100,000 on, it's cost like 500,000. But also as well, like around the major tourist areas, like motorbike taxis that have like fake grab jackets on or they'll just be like, oh, do you want, where do you want to go? And if people are drunk, they'll get on. And then it goes on to like, do you want a cigarette? And the cigarette are laced with drugs and then things happen to people. Um, I've seen it on the expat groups, but also a couple, uh, not friends, but friends of friends. It's happened to them as well. So I'll just say, if you're here, make sure you book through an app and yeah, just make sure you're sure of who it is before you take the journey. And I want to add to that one. I remember when we were in D4, me and Adrian, and we were meeting an old college friend of his and he showed up and he's like, oh, it's so cheap here. You know, we just got a taxi here. And he'd come from D1. I was like, oh, cool. How much was it? He was like, it was only 350,000. Well, you came from D1 to D4. Well, like that, that should have been about 150,000. <laughs> But I mean, yeah, that's how they get you though, right? Because like, he was all excited how cheap it was. Like even legitimate taxis. I've had friends come over, like who I work with, and their families have come over and they've been charged like three, four hundred thousand for a five, ten minute journey, which will cost less than a hundred thousand through an app. Because when they see that you're a tourist and you're not really sure where you're going, you need to basically research what the prices are before you come and just be aware of what is acceptable and just say no and they will eventually charge you the right price. So it's not that common, but it does happen. App must have decimated the scam taxi drivers, right? Like yeah. the Grab app is just like, oh, scam taxi drivers are like, fuck, we can't do it. <laughs> All right, Dan number two, female Dan. What's the most common scam? What's a common scam in Vietnam? We're going to come back to you, Dan, okay? Dan, have a think, most common scam. Adam's got one ready. Uh, so again, sort of on the, the taxi scam, uh, one of the biggest ones is obviously from the airport. Uh, so you've literally just landed, you don't know what you're doing, you haven't downloaded the apps, and again, someone's going to offer you a cab, where are you going? And you might be going two miles, and it's cost you 500000 And uh, you see that a lot on all the, uh, the expat groups. Uh, the other one would be, if you're in like a lot of the tourist areas for going out for a night and drinking, uh, if you've had a couple too many, uh, your bill might double in price. Um, so be very careful of that, I would say, is one of the biggest scams um, some of my friends have fallen into. Luckily, I haven't. Oh, I've got a couple now because off of the back of that one, um, if you go into what's called a girly bar and a lady will ask you to buy them a drink, so you think, oh, okay, the beers are quite cheap. That's not a problem. Uh, But you buy the lady a drink and she'll buy the most expensive thing on the menu and it will cost you quite a lot of money. And if you see a bell in a bar, do not ring it because that means you have to buy the whole bar around and... When it's in a girly bar, they're also going to buy the most expensive drink as well. So I think, Adam, you went out for a works do and you ended up spending 30 million, 30 yeah, million. on one night. Um, and the other one, um, just be careful you go to a foreign exchange. So even at the airport, I didn't have time to go to a proper one. 
um, went to the one at the airport and they basically told me the rate, but then as she counted the money, uh, the money wasn't right. And I stupidly saw her counting it, so I thought it was legit, but she'd kind of sneakily done a bit of a magician act on the side and taken some of the cash away. Well, thing is that every tourist, I think, is bound to go until something like the Bentan market for, like, souvenir shopping. And the thing they do here is that they always, like, when they see you're a tourist, they always try to mark up the price, like, double or triple the price. So, like, I bet you can find those souvenir anywhere if you walk off the market into, like, the smaller roads, even in District 1. So... Yeah, I heard from a, it was like a Viet Q friend and went up and in Bintan Market or somewhere like that and like wanted to find out a t-shirt and was like, how much is it? And they didn't realize he could speak Vietnamese because they thought he was a foreigner, but he was Viet Q, so he could speak Vietnamese and he could hear the woman in the back shout through like, yeah, tell him it's 300,000 when it was like, you know, only 150. And then that's when he spoke in Vietnamese to them. He's like, oh, 300,000, is that right? Uh, I was there with a friend back in July. Uh, in Bentan Market, and um, they were asking, I was asking for the price, and then, they, oh, where are you from? Which country? I went to UK, but I live in Nabe. And then when, like, the price went from 600000 down to, because originally they, she said to me, well, I said too expensive. She said, oh, Vietnamese money, you don't understand, you don't know what it means. And I was like, I live in Nabe. And then the price came down from 600000 to 150000 just via the fact that I lived in Vietnam. So that shows what some tourists must be paying if they take the first price. Because I guess when you compare to the States or the UK, paying 15, 20 pounds might not be that much, but when you live here, you understand that you can get the same thing for like probably 100,000 or less. Now, Adam, I saw on Facebook this week some guy skipped out on a bill in a bar and they were trying to find him. You saw this? You saw this, Dan? 16 million dong. There was the bar. And me and Adrian looked at it and we were like, how could you spend 60? How could you build up a bill for 16 million dong? But now, Adam, we understand how this guy did that. So that, but he ran out on it, apparently. So <laughs> it wasn't you then. <laughs> and then last one, Adri, what's a common scam in Vietnam? I don't know if this is a scam so much as just something to be aware of. But as a new person in Vietnam, sometimes there's food on the table. If you go to like the local kind of, not really restaurants, but like pho places or just kind of like tile food eating places. And if you eat the food that's on the table, it costs money. It's not just there to eat. I think that's pretty different. Like in the U.S., if there's food on your table, like it's yours and you can eat it. And it's like inclusive. But that costs money. And then similar with, I guess sometimes at Niao places, they'll put food on your bar. Niao places like drinking and eating places, plastic stools, little tables. They'll put food on your table. And it's kind of like, if you don't touch it, you don't pay for it. But if you touch it, you pay for it. So. Just beware if people are just like putting food that you didn't order or might be covered in plastic or not, and you eat it, you have to pay for it. Or if you touch it, you have to pay for it. Oh, and yes, if you use the wet wipe that they put on your table, you have to pay for it. It's only 2,000 dong, but you have to pay for it. No, yeah. And there was the same in karaoke. You said about the plastic. It's the same in the karaoke. I remember we don't do karaoke very often, but you go to the karaoke bar and they give you like a plate of fruit covered in plastic and you're like, oh, some fruit. Yeah, it's It's like ridiculously expensive. Well, and then my common scam, which a lot of you guys know. So if you're ever walking down the street on your own and some beautiful girl comes up to you with beautiful black hair and a big Adam's apple <laughs> and, uh, and says, uh, you want boom boom? 
And then you say no, and then she grabs you by the balls with her massive hands and asks again, do you want boom boom? She doesn't want boom boom. She's about to rob your phone. So just be careful of that. So I don't, I mean, you guys know that and anyone listening might know the story. So that really happened to me a few months ago. But after I told people about that, even before I told people exactly what happened, they were like, oh, the lady boys, like they knew it was a thing. And then I spoke to so many people and like, oh yeah, the same thing happened to my friend. So, and not just in Taudien where it happened to me, like all over Saigon, District 3, they'll pull up to you. One guy, was it you that said it was a friend Dom? I think it was a Dom or somebody. I don't know who it was, but he was it him. He literally was about to walk into his apartment. He was a footstep away from his apartment. A girl pulled up on right in front of him, grabbed him by the balls or gave him a massage. or, or, or Yeah, and, and then within an instant had his phone. I've had other friends who said they were out drinking with friends and a girl would come up to them and be like, oh, you need a massage and like rub them all. And you're just like, no, no, get away from me. And in that heartbeat, they take your phone. So that, I didn't know that was a common scam until it happened to me. And I felt so guilty. Well, not guilty about it. I felt just so shit about it. But then once I found out it happened to everyone else, I was like, okay, it wasn't that I let my guard down or like uh, it was, I was in the wrong. Like, it, yeah, my wife says I was in the wrong. No, no, I definitely was. <laughs> I mean, so I mean, I tell this joke. I tell, yeah, I tell this joke on stage, but it's true. Like when it happened, I literally went to text Adri immediately. Like I went to go get my phone to text Adri to be like, you, you'll never guess what happened. And that's when I realized my phone was gone. So yeah, anyway, all right. Um, next one. What is something you hear about Vietnam that is not true, Carrie? Something that's not true. Um, I think the initial first impressions of Vietnam people get way wrong. So if you come to somewhere like Saigon or Hanoi, it's a very big metropolitan city, lots of things going on, lots of art, lots of culture, lots of music, all that sort of stuff. I think a lot of people have this idea of like, you know, the kind of Vietnam War era of like a war-torn country. It's really not that. It, it's, it, it is, uh, it is, there are some very poor people here, but it's not a poor country. It's developed, it's welcoming, and so I'm ready for you to have a good time here. Yeah, for me, when I first came, I was on kind of forums. I was like, lots of the forums were basically, where to live, Thailand or Vietnam? And there's loads of expats on there saying that the Vietnamese are rude, they're not welcoming, that the Thais are much friendlier, like Thai food's nicer, Thailand's a better country. I haven't been to both countries. I basically disagree. I feel like maybe if you if you want your Western home comforts and you like, not an easy life, because Vietnam is an easy place to live, but if you want to move somewhere that's very similar to the UK, Bangkok would be the place for you because it's more developed than Saigon. But if you like a bit of adventure and the, you want to meet new people, like the people are friendly, the Vietnamese and the expats, food's delicious. So all the things I read online basically weren't true. Like the food's amazing, people are amazing, the country is amazing. It's got nice beaches. It's got, I was going to say great weather, but not so much recently. But uh, in some, yeah. In some parts of the country, it's got great weather, like natural landscape. It's fa- a fantastic place to visit and live, which I didn't quite get when I checked online before I came. Um, not sure so much about it not being true, but I think um, some of my family and my friends think I live in the jungle. Um, so I'll occasionally post um, strange food photos. Like I say strange, it's not strange at all, but to my friends and family eating snails or you know, a whole duck with its head on and everything is just really peculiar. So they see that and they think that's actually what I eat most nights of the week. I guess for me, it's uh, quite a lot of the groups, especially the travel groups you see on the forums I were talking about. Uh, You see, oh, is it safe to travel as a solo person? Is it easy to get around? And to be honest, anywhere you go in the world, 
you just need to be aware of your surroundings. And so it's no different in Vietnam. Uh, the place is very friendly. The people are friendly. You can travel all around the country. And it, it's got some of the most beautiful scenery I've seen in Asia. So it, it's, I think that's one of the biggest misnomers for me is like people are thinking, oh, is it a safe place? And 100% it is. But there is always risk wherever you go in the world. Simple as. I forgot the question. I'm like, yes, I, I agree with your answer. I agree with yours too. What's the question? Oh, right. Okay. Um, that's, that's a hard one. I don't have an answer. Well, we've lived here for six years, so it's hard to, to know what is said outside of Vietnam before you come. And we also didn't really come like with a lot of research, I guess. And the things that were true six years ago aren't true anymore. So um, I think like maybe you would, I'll just piggyback on onto Adam. Biscuit, be quiet. I'll piggyback onto Adam's like, I think a lot of people think that Vietnam's not a safe place or even like Saigon or Hanoi, the big cities, but like I, I've never felt more safe anywhere in the world. You could walk down the street we were walking by or driving by a, a park at night and it was pitch black and there were like hundreds of people exercising. There was hardly any streetlights. And I turned to you and I said to Neil, and I said, you would never do that in the West. You would never exercise at six o'clock in pitch black anywhere, probably, because that was dangerous. And here you can do it. Like the safety here is just, I, there's petty crime. Yeah. And you need to be aware of your surroundings. You might lose your phone. You might like get pickpocketed maybe or like something your wallet snatched or something but in terms of violent crime unless you've like part of the mafia or done something wrong to someone personally which is unlikely it's very safe i think sorry i stole that one well i was just thinking um we'll go back to that one i was thinking about uh we're talking about how long we've been here so i remember i don't know about you guys because we've all been here Oh, well, we near similar lengths, but when we first came here, there was this big thing because there'd been an article in Saigonier and there'd been a, a few other articles about how the coffee was unsafe and how they made fake coffee. And when I, right. yeah, so Dan hasn't heard of this moment. So when, when we first came here, that was like a big thing. Um, and it's slightly true because there was one thing where the woman was making or selling coffee using old batteries. She was opening up old batteries and, and making it into coffee. But there was this thing. So I think what the, the truth of it was, if you go to a street seller and you get a coffee for like 10,000 dong, maybe it will be fake. And I think that that was the kind of worry is don't don't buy like the cheapest coffee on the street. On the street, it might be fake. And so we were like really worried in the beginning about buying this fake coffee. But the longer you're here, and like you mentioned, Adam, there's just coffee on every street corner. There's coffee everywhere. There's no way it's all fake. They produce the second most amount of coffee in the world, I think, here after Brazil. Like, the coffee here is safe. But that was one in the beginning was a bit of a scare thing, right? Like, don't buy the coffee. The coffee is tainted. It's poison. Like, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Fiona's going to add something. I think Carrie wants to Carrie wants to add to that. Then. I got something just to add to that. It just needs to remind me of something. Particularly in Hanoi, um, I hear a lot of foreigners, a lot of tourists worried about if you go to the cheap street food places, like, what if it's dog? Now, I want to dispel this straight away. Dog is more expensive than other meat here if you go to the north. So... They're not going to feed you dog bags and you're not going to get all these mystery meats. If it says it's pork, it's probably pork. Well, another one, which is quite common for people that like come to South Asia for the first time, is the ice. Like People are really worried about the ice. But is it tap water? Is it not safe? But I, I have never, yeah, <laughs> I have never had 
I've been, I've had 10,000 on coffee. I've been to lots of places. I've never had dodgy ice anywhere. You can tell, obviously. The Viet- the Vietnamese will get sick if they had dodgy ice, so why would they serve it all day, every day? It doesn't make sense. So unless you get very unlucky, you're not going to encounter dodgy ice in a restaurant or a coffee shop or a street stand. Uh, so yeah, another one about the food. So whenever I tell my mum, oh, it's a really nice um, bit of street food. We have this, that and the other. Um, she just assumes I'm going to get instant food poisoning from every single thing that I eat from a street seller. Um, it's probably the opposite because I think they're probably only getting enough food to sell for that day. Um, therefore, it's actually possibly more fresh than you can get in some restaurants. It is so funny because uh, even not just in Vietnam, there was another country I can't remember who I was talking to about like, you get food poisoning from, like the last time, another one, I won't say the name of the hotel, but it was a well-known international hotel here in Saigon. And they're like, then they go, we, we, like, we got food poisoning from it. Like anyone who I ever hear got food poisoning, it's normally they trace it back to like either a Western place or like a, or a, what's that, Kerry? I think I, I guess that hotel. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, no. Not that one. Uh I'll tell you. No, I'll tell. I'll tell you after. But so yeah, yeah. That uh, I feel like yeah. That's a good point though, because they get it fresh for the day, right? Like so. Yeah. Anyway, right now, last question. It is my favorite question in nine seasons I've ever asked. If Vietnam was a person, how would you describe it, or them, or they, whatever pronoun you want to use? All right. Yeah. So, um, if you have been listening to the last two seasons, you will have some ideas because everyone gave an answer. So if Vietnam was a person, how would you describe them? Carrie, you're up first. I would say Vietnam is a, a couple of twins. And it's, uh, it's they're, they're, they're the Australian... <laughs> couple of twins, two people. Um, <laughs> and they are, they're the Australia of Asia, basically. They're the, they're the no worries culture. Now you've got the, the northern half. That's kind of like the older, slightly older twin. Bit more academic. And you've got the younger half. A couple of seconds later, Saigon. And they're a bit more artsy and musically and a bit more uh, bit more rebellious. Um, both are very easygoing. Both are very happy, unless you piss them off the wrong way. And um, both of them will welcome you with open arms and show you a good time. So, yeah. I'm going to c- compare Vietnam to a football player. Vietnam is a tenacious, tenacious defensive midfielder. Hard working, tough in the tackle. Uh, not very... Uh, don't express their creative flair too much, but like simple, get the job done, uh, reliable, and just a great place, to, great person to be around. I'm thinking um, Evan, uh, maybe Ghana Gay, Everton legend, Idrissa Gay, went to PSG, came back, hard working, tough in the tackle, can play a simple five-yard ball, but can't go, can't go forward, like not going forward too much, but Still does the job. I'm going to go niche now. Uh, hard question. Just yeah, I'm thinking it would be someone with multiple personalities. <laughs> um, sometimes they're just, you know, quite quiet. Sometimes they're a little bit crazy. Um, sometimes they're hilarious. Sometimes they're quite angry. Um, just, just, yeah, just it's disparity between lots of different things. So that's that's what I'm going for. Uh, I'm going to go for Mary Berry because you feel very homely and mothered and good food. You don't know who Mary 
Oh my god. Oh my god. Sorry, uh, we're gonna have to cut this podcast short because Neil's gonna be thrown in the river for not knowing who Mary Berry is. Oh my god. The monster. I'm my turn now. I'm gonna go a little bit negative. In in light of recent conversations and memes that Neil has created. Not, not for lack of untruth. Vietnam's a bit of a procrastinator. The metro should be done like 10 years ago and it's still going and it's going to be done in like 20 years. So a bit of a procrastinator. Some things take longer than they should. That's all she got. All right, guys, thank you very much. Thank you for being part of the 7 million bikes community. Adri doesn't have a choice. She's, she's born into it. And before we go quickly, uh, give what would you like to ask a future guest? Oh, there's looks around like, <gasps> all right, Carrie, go. You can cut these silences out, yeah, can't yeah, you? Yeah, we'll oh, cut sound. All right. Um, Nii, we'll cut this out. Thank you, Nii. What did we say the seafood was, Nii? Pineapple? I think we said pineapple. Pineapple. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, what was the question? Yeah, what was it? <laughs> well, 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 what question would I ask? I'm going to introduce her now. Uh, the question would be, why haven't you joined earlier? What unique circumstance in your life brought you to Vietnam? That's what I would ask. Is it a positive story, a negative story, emotional story? Are you escaping something back home? Is it an adventure? Are you running away? Uh, why did you come here? Are you a fugitive? Interpol after you? Or is it just something fun? You just outlined a whole podcast. <laughs> well, so I did a podcast with a guy called Andrew Dunning. Andrew, shout out. Scottish guy based in Glasgow. And when he found out I was in Vietnam, the first question he asked, he said, sorry, look, I've got to ask you a question. Are you a sex offender? I was like, Jesus, how did you know? Um, Adrian, question. Does it have to be related to Vietnam? If Vietnam was a dog breed, what would it be? Carrie's last. Adam says he doesn't have one. Carrie. The world is full of many different types of cheeses. But if you were stranded on a desert island in tropical weather, what one cheese would you eat for the rest of your life? Only cheese, nothing else. All right. Thank you, Carrie, for those insights. Adam, you got a question yet? Adam, who's won the World Cup? Do we know yet? He's been, well, shit, he's looking now. Let's find out live on the podcast. The Cricket World Cup, Pakistan versus England. What's the score? Did they get how many runs? Did they need 138? How many? Oh, God. The worst thing about English is the English is the English. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. How many, run, how many runs did you get? One by five weeks. Hey, I don't know what a wicket is, but it sounds good. So, guys, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Two guys, Belgian fries. We're here making a podcast. We're getting the bills. We had some delicious beers. Join the community. Come and hang out at our special events. Support the podcast. Thank you so much, guys, for being here. Cannot do it without you. Uh, I maybe alluded to it a couple of times, or sometimes I want to give up, and I literally keep going just because there's people like you guys that are helping keep it going. So fuck you guys, because sometimes I'm like, I, I just want to stop this thing. But all these guys, all these guys like the podcast and they even contribute to keep it going. So I guess I better keep it going. No, but I'm seriously, yeah, no, thank you so much. It's nice to have so much support and do something that people enjoy and love. So thank you so much. So guys, good night. Thank you for coming. Cheers. (laughs)
hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're like me, you may use your laptop at places where you have to use public Wi-Fi. This opens you up to digital snoopers. It's a massive problem. It can be your internet service provider, or you know who, looking at what you do online, or a cyber criminal trying to steal your bank passwords or credit card info, or even a hacker at the next table trying to steal your sensitive data. These days, it is vital that you keep your data safe. NordVPN keeps all of these snoopers away. It makes your internet activity private, protects you from accessing dangerous websites that are fishing for your data, and lets you enjoy your favorite content securely, even while away from home. And it's easy to use, even I could use it. I've actually been using NordVPN for years now here in Vietnam, and I'm excited to be an affiliate partner with them. I've used NordVPN to watch Netflix, BBC, Disney Plus with ease, and I also know that my information and data are safe from prying eyes, whoever they may be. Join now and you'll get 68% off and three months free when you go to my link, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. Just again, for those hard of hearing, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. The link is also in the show notes. I know nobody checks them out, but go check that out and you can get the link from wherever you are listening to this podcast. As an affiliate partner, it also means that I will get a small commission when you sign up, but at no extra cost to you. So not only will you be getting a great deal through 7 Million Bikes, you get a great VPN and you'll be supporting 7 Million Bikes podcast. Stay safe online and enjoy the shows you love. Any questions, just let me know. You know how to get in touch with me. And thanks for listening to this show. Cheers.